Hello, Scott here, and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're interviewing a label that's been around for decades, and it's a cool it's a cool interview. But today's interview is with a, a label that's only been around for a very short while, and it is also a very cool interview. And I like that diversity. I like going between labels who have been around for decades and labels who've maybe been around for just a decade or just under a decade, and then labels who are just in the process of starting up and the challenges that come with that. And I think that's almost more relatable to some of our listeners as as a lot of us are in the early stages of starting an indie label and face a lot of the same challenges. So I'm excited today to talk with Sophie from Biblioteca Records, and we're going to go all into that. Um, speaking of starting a label and being in the early stages of running a label, I know you've heard this before, but I wanted to mention it again. We just came out with this little uh, free guide for indie DIY record labels, which is also pretty relevant to DIY artists. And I know we have some artists out there who aren't necessarily involved in a label, but like to kind of eavesdrop on this this topic. Um, so go to otherrecordlabels.com and you can download this free guide, um, which basically there's a few articles that have been written by some of the people that we've interviewed. I, I, I emailed them this summer and asked them to contribute to this free guide and they did. And then there's also some of our interviews over the past two years that well, a lot of the important stuff has been distilled into this booklet. So go to otherrecordlabels.com to check it out. And I really hope that you enjoy today's episode. Um, listen, let's, let's dive in. The, the label's called Biblioteca. Did I say that right? Yeah, Biblioteca Records. Is that like what does that mean? Because like I can I think of like bibliotech, like the French word for library. Am I close? Yeah, it means library in Russian. <laughs> oh, in Russian. Oh. Yeah, but I feel like in a lot of languages that same sounding it must be yeah. word means library stuff. Because like I we took French class in school too, and people were like, oh yeah, bibliotech. Like I know what that means because right. I took French class in grade four, and I was like. You're on it. That's why the logo is a book, right? I was like, I don't know what else to put. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. So Biblioteca is Russian. Are you Russian? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. And, I was born there. I'm not I was just like one of those oh, random really? people that's like weirdly into Russia. Uh, yeah. Although I do know a couple people like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Trump is weirdly into Russia. Um, yeah. Like, come on, come on, calm down. Like, leave us alone. You know? we, got, <laughs> well, we got our own thing going on over there. So, so it means library records. Um, yeah, pretty much. Okay. So what, what does that mean to you? Why did you, why did you pick that name? I'm kind of just fascinated by it. When I originally started the label, it wasn't really a label. I originally started as like an events company because I used to throw a lot of parties. Okay. So I mostly just, uh, parties at the library. Yeah, no, <laughs> study group. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was working with my uh, friend at the time, and she's also Russian. We were like, oh, it would be kind of funny if we like thought of like a Russian joke name, and that way we would know what it meant, and then it would just still sound cool. Yeah. Um, and then we just came up with that. I think I did, and then we were like too lazy to think of another name, so we were like, okay, whatever, let's keep it. And then we both kind of ended up going in different directions, but I still wanted to keep the name and keep doing things and even though i stopped throwing that many parties or like ragers as opposed to kind of the events that i do now uh -huh. i wanted to self-release a project and i had intended to use the name like biblioteca productions which it was originally when i was doing events okay and i was like well i'll just use that as the label and then i was like no i'm just gonna switch the whole thing over and just make it a full label project right 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 
Yeah, because yeah, label, but now things came full circle. <laughs> a label can do events, you know. Yeah, can, yeah, exactly. I didn't want to like strip myself too thin by trying to throw like parties and trying to release music. And I was like, well, I I don't know how much music of my own I'm gonna release, so I'd rather be able to focus on so other people's music and like really give it the energy. Okay, so you switched from events to a record label because correct me because you wanted to self-release your own project. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I basically just wanted to um, have like the backing of a label. So it looked legit and have a logo yeah. on. Cause I wanted to do a cassette. Okay. Which didn't end up working out. Okay. Because I hated all the music after. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you kept the label. So you didn't do a self But I kept the label name. Yeah. I did oh. release like a couple of singles on it. Yeah. Like when I originally started and yeah. then I was like, no, I can help other people. Like I can focus on other people's music more. Well, and that, I honestly, I haven't recorded my own music in a long time. Wow. I mean, that's very like, uh, that's very generous of you because I think, I mean, the story that you have of a label forming out of a, a way to self-release music, that's how I started my label. And I think that's more than half la of the labels we talked to start that way. Mm -hmm. It was kind of generous of you to kind of shift. Like, what was that? How did that selfless act happen to just say, I'm more interested in championing other artists than, than myself? I mean, that was kind of what I wanted to do when I was throwing events too, is like promote other DJs and performers and give people that don't normally get the spotlight, the spotlight, this was just a different way of doing it. And like, mm. I always knew that being a small indie label, like there was no way I could like propel somebody like the radio, right? Right. right. But I wanted to also focus on like instrumental music and kind of like the niche stuff that I really like, but I don't feel often gets recognized. And I feel like the people on my label like kind of do struggle with would or would struggle with finding other labels to accept their music. Like, yeah, there's a lot of niche labels now, but I think that in general, instrumental music is a pretty difficult market. And even the labels that do focus on electronic music, a lot of them focus on dancey stuff mm -hmm. and the stuff on biblioteca is more or less just like chill music to vibe to or it's like pretty left field and experimental yeah and there's not always a place for that in the world but people still want to have like that legitimacy of having a label backing or like some sort of logo on their project or somebody helping them release stuff mm -hmm. because a lot of the artists i work with like they don't understand how to get their music on spotify yeah you know what i yeah, mean you're like right. people don't know how to do that so it's nice to be able to help people yeah no, you're absolutely right. And there's also something uh, I've found with with artists and even myself is uh, there's just something encouraging to know that you have like you formed a team or you have this this collective of uh, family behind you. It's just something that yeah. keeps you going a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, the support. And that was kind of my original time when I decided to shift to like a full label process is to create a I guess collective would be the word of people that wanted to work with each other and support each other's music. And I feel like I've achieved that because a lot of the times the artists on the label will just remix each other's stuff without me asking them to. Oh, cool. Like they'll listen to each other's music and like remix each other's stuff. Wow. So, and that's kind of all I wanted was like that family atmosphere where everybody helps each other and there's no competition because it's such a, small niche market of weird music that why wouldn't you all like each other's stuff yeah exactly and i found that any competition that happens on with roster mem members is more it's like a not even a friendly competition it's just a way to drive each other you know like it's just it, it's just accountability it's like oh so and so wrote a, three songs this month i i should probably get writing too you know 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like everyone on the label kind of has their own process. Like I pretty much just let people do whatever they want. I just give them that support of a label. I listen to their music. I help out with mastering and stuff when I have to, because some people do their own. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, what was I saying? I don't know. Yeah, no, the the conf- <laughs> like the competition aspect. I was saying that, sorry, everybody kind of does their own thing. Like I have artists that release albums quite regularly and music very regularly. And some people that just kind of put out singles whenever they want okay. to them, the music, they look at it as just a hobby. So wait, now, now let's, so, let, let's, let's camp on this for a second because I love the topic of prolific artists. Now you, okay. So, and, and, and going back to this weird genre a little bit in electronic music, things, artists can be a little bit more prolific because they don't have to wait on necessarily have to wait on session musicians or studio time. It's all happens in their own mind and on their laptop in some way. And so yeah. it, from, from your standpoint as a label, do you encourage the artist to be prolific? Can an artist just send you a new track once a month and say, I want to continue to put this out or, or do you ever have to put the brakes on it or suggest that they maybe edit themselves a little bit? I mean, I definitely listen to the music, and if I have notes, I'll uh, throw them forward. Mm-hmm. And I try not to oversaturate each month with scheduling. So if somebody yeah. was like, "I need to, I want to release this this month," I'd be like, "I can't because I have so much stuff going on this month." But maybe the next month, because I try to like keep the schedule so there's not so much stuff happening all the time. That's yeah, that's great. This summer, this summer's pretty busy, so it might be a lot more than I'm used to. But okay. So, but I try not to have like you know like five releases in a week. You know what I mean, oh, or even yeah. two in a week, because that's just a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's like you know, I mean, you got to give a spotlight to the the record or the release, and not, of the moment. Yeah, and not let them like cannibalize each other or whatever. Yeah, and like with a small label, like with stuff coming out all, all the time. I mean, it's good to have content, but I also want to like give each new release the attention that it deserves and spend some time like mailing it to blogs and promoting it online and stuff like that. So when you, when you started a label to self-release your own stuff and then release other people, like, had you been a fan of labels before? Like what, I mean, you wanted that legitimacy, that logo. I was the exact same way with my first EP. I just wanted a fake logo on the back, but like, you know, (laughs) had you, been interested in labels before is that something you were like aware of or had followed labels uh i was aware of labels like as a music consumer right okay right yeah, yeah. like i'm a big fan of warp records so mm-hmm. i pretty much listen to everything on their catalog and same with uh planet mew just because i really like apex twin and mm-hmm. all that um in terms of like my personal interest or like as an industry person i always felt that i was really good at like finding new music right okay and i was like why not take that ability and kind of like do a and r quote unquote for my own yeah project and support people that i think are good that's a good point because every friend circle has that one person who's always like recommending obscure indie music yeah and that person's playlist always slaps right (laughs) yeah i wanted to be that person and champion that music yeah before anyone else i was always the like i was actually thinking about this the other day about how annoying i probably was to my friends but i was always that person who would get picked up on a friday night to go out and i would bring a cd with me and i'd be in the back seat of the car be like here put this on and i just you know what i mean like before we could like bluetooth or whatever but anyway 
I just remember always yeah. like pushing music on my friends. Yeah, same. I was always that. Well, I mean, when I was younger, I was really secretive with my music. Like well, up until I was like maybe 15 or 16, I was very much like, oh, it's my like secret oh, yeah. song. <laughs> right. Right. Like I'm never going to share with anyone because yeah, yeah. I spent so long looking for my secret music. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. Okay. But then, yeah, I was very protective of it. I think a lot of us were when we were in high school. <laughs> and then as I got older, I was like, no, I have to share this music with people. And then I'd always like, when we were driving, I'd be like, give me the aux cord at parties. I'd like unplug people's yeah, phones and put cord. in my phone. <laughs> like I do, I would always like demand to be in charge of the music. Uh, yeah, I'd be like, you guys same, have same. to hear it. <laughs> which yeah. I know, which I realized is like a super annoying trait, which is why I started DJing. So I was like, well, I need to, I need to do this some way or another. Oh, and this okay. way nobody can stop me. <laughs> oh yeah. And then they pay you for it. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And, <laughs> And so you were DJing like in the, and that was like uh, with the events that you were doing before the label, right? Yeah, I was DJing a little bit then. Like I wasn't good. Um, oh, okay. But of course I'm going to book myself. Like part of the reason I even started throwing <laughs> the events was because nobody would book me and my friends. So we were like, well, oh, okay. let's just do our own parties. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think all of my projects came out of a like need, a necessity. Like nobody was booking us. So we started throwing our own parties. Uh, nobody would release my music, so I started my own label. <laughs> nobody would release other people's music, so I wanted to yeah. find a way to do it myself. That, that's such a great story. I know I know of artists who get defeated by being turned down by blogs or turned down by labels, and then their music just sits on their hard drive. So that's that's a, a great motivation. Yeah, that's like the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like all the all this music that nobody gets to hear, like. It breaks my heart. I get sad thinking about all the music that's released that I'm never going to hear all of it, you know? Yeah. I, I, no, that's a good point. I, I've occasionally thought of that too. And, and I, I think also about like, you know, some of the artists that submit records to us and it's all over the, it's all over the board. I mean, some of it, a, a little bit of it is, is great. Um, some of it is, is horrific. And then most of it is just good. Like most of it's just fine. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's nothing. And that always kind of makes me sad because it's like, it's not good enough for me to like jump up and call them and start a label relationship and dedicate six months to, to a year of my time to promote them. But mm -hmm. it's, that, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not exactly what I need or what, what you I'm need. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of bums me out. I feel yeah. kind of bad for them. Yeah, I always hate sending out the emails that are like, sorry, it's not for us. But a lot of the times I get submissions that are just genre-wise, like not right for the label. Yeah. Like I'll get like rap submissions and like country stuff. And like, it'll be good, right? Like yeah, I'm like, oh, sure. I vibe with it. But I'm not going to release it because it's not what I do. Yeah. And I always like email people back and I'm like, this is not right for us, but it's dope and you should keep it up. Keep like it I up. try That's not to. Nice. You know, let people down gently, right? Because just because it's not, just because I don't like it yeah. or whatever, doesn't mean that somebody else won't. Totally, yeah, totally. And, and I, that's kind of how I look at with like everything that I do is that I don't care if people don't like my music because yeah. I like it, and there's going to be someone else that will like it. Well, and and I I sure hope there's somebody out there who's starting a record label for middle of the road country musicians, <laughs> and hopefully they do find a home. I hope that somebody just gets tired of like being rejected and starts their own project and puts out like the dopest country music ever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the dopest country music right now. So um, <laughs> listen, okay. So let's go back to starting a label. And, and I, I mean, 
like you and I, it sounds like we have kind of a similar history with, with the label. And I, I remember kind of that um, seizure of excitement um, when starting it. Can you tell me like, what did you first do when you said, okay, this is it. I'm going to start a label. I'm going to self-release. Um, did you just Google that? Like how to start a label? Like uh, what resources did you have at the time to help guide you? Um, yeah, so I did Google it and I read some blog posts and I was like, mm, okay. Um, <laughs> and then that, I made a that website. That wasn't helpful? It was okay. It was, it was pretty helpful, okay. but it, a lot of the blog posts assumed you had money. Oh, yeah. Right, which I <laughs> didn't. Like any amount so of money? Like, or like a I specific- I have like no money. No, 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 no. Like, I don't mean you. I'm not asking you. I mean, like, did the, the blog like suggested- like expected you to have like what, like a couple thousand dollars or something? Yeah, I think they, I think okay, they kind yeah. of expected yeah, you to start off with that. And I had like 20 bucks. Right? Yeah, so, I'd say, yeah, of course, same. <laughs> so the first thing I did was I read some blog posts and I was like, all right, well, like if I take away the money aspect, the idea is not, the advice isn't bad. And then I bought a couple books like used that were like that music of business book, the Canadian version. Okay. And then I bought another book about starting, like two books about starting a record label. Um, which I only read chapters of. Okay. Like the chapters that are about like finding artists and like how to promote and stuff like that. And was it helpful? Which were, which were kind of, yeah, I found them pretty helpful. Yeah. Like I still kind of reference the book sometimes. But then after that, the first thing I did was make a website. Okay. Like yep. DIY my own website on Squarespace because yep. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. And then I bought business cards. And what I would do is like go to networking events all the time every evening after my nine to five and just try to meet people and be like, hey, I have a record label. Like, oh, yeah. I'm looking for artists or like, That's I'm just cool. looking for someone to like, because you never know who you're going to meet, right? Uh -huh. Like, you don't know if you could meet. I actually ended up meeting a really cool DJ who got me into a club for free a bunch of times, which was dope. Wow, that's like, great. And obviously, this is not, like, a superb business connection, but yeah, it was a yeah. good friend to make. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I have a hard time leaving the house, and I have a, a harder time, like, speaking to strangers at, at uh, venues. But I, I, I definitely, you know, the times that I have gone out of my comfort zone in the music business, it's always paid off. And... It's yeah. so yeah, uh, it sucks. It's scary, but yeah. like you got to do it. Totally. And it's amazing how quickly you can become friends with someone. Yeah, you literally just need to like find two things in common. That's why I'm really good at job interviews. Like <laughs> find two things in common. Yeah, that's good. No, that's fair. So, okay, so you had a book and you did some blog, but basically you just kind of dove right in. Yeah, I basically ever since I started the label in October like 2017, I've been kind of Figuring out my way through. Like, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like, you've I'm heard the podcast. Everybody says that. Like, huge labels that yeah. I interview like say that. It's crazy. Yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on. Because <laughs> every day is so different. Like, I could be onboarding an artist. And, like, only now, after two years of working with, like, 10 or 11 artists, I've managed to figure out, like, some processes that work for me and make the process, more like, of onboarding someone new and, like, going forward with them more streamlined, yeah, right. but it doesn't make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I still have a lot of ideas. Like I have a whole notebook of ideas of stuff I want to implement later or like stuff the label's just not ready for. And sure. like, it's a lot. I'll be getting like emails from different artists every day. Cause at the same time, I'm basically kind of like quote unquote managing them. Cause yeah. I'm their only point of contact. I know. The label. I know. Yeah, totally. So I'm like, Oh my God. Then I got to remember what everybody's up to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it like I, I use a lot of calendar paper. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. That is a good point, actually. And I, I, I kind of want to ask that of other labels now that I think about it is like, because, um, you know, most 
most artists who aren't at a certain level don't have a manager. And so if you're the only one coaching them and advocating for them, then they just kind of, yeah, they just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, they just instantly yeah, like treat you everything, like a manager. Everything, they'll come to me. They'll be like, here's my new song. What do you think? And yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, that I get. It'll be like, I'm thinking of doing a video. No. And like, I'm trying to figure this stuff out too, like licensing, deals, all this type of stuff that is very new to me as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I try to be very transparent with the artists too, especially when we get new ones. Like I try to be like, hey, listen, like heads up. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and nobody else on the label really does either. So this is a learning process for both of us. Right. And like, we'll figure it out together. But if you want like someone that's going to like walk you through the steps and introduce you to like big ups people, that's not me. And like, most people are pretty cool with that because they understand that it's a small niche niche label. So they're like, yeah, like I want to learn. Because mm -hmm. I mean, you, the best way to learn is through experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have other labels helping you? Did you, did no, you reach out to anyone? No, I did everything by myself. Okay. Did you get advice from anyone? Like, did, did you reach out? Uh, I think I reached out to um, Matt at Forged Artifacts, oh, nice. but we never yeah. ended up setting up a call because we were both really busy at the time. Right. Because I emailed him being like, hey, uh, help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, we were going to do a phone call and then like, it didn't end up working out. But I kind of just watched what people were doing online. Like yeah, I went to same. labels yeah. that I liked. That like I even went to like web websites of local labels that I like like sm small to mid mm -hmm. level mm -hmm. indies. So I went on their sites and I went on their social medias to see what they were doing and how they were doing it. And even like Forge Artifacts, like I went on their site a lot. I modeled my new site very much after theirs because wow, it it looks amazing, right? And it made the layout made sense. Like my previous website did not make sense. <laughs> then I, so then when I redid it, I went and like I looked at different websites and I was like, okay, it needs to be one that makes the most sense for a label, right? Because yeah. I know how to make like a personal website, like a portfolio site, which is how it ended up looking in the beginning. Mm. But now. The site makes a lot more sense. Well, and Matt is a, a great guy and he's also very generous with like helping people, helping artists yeah. and, and uh, yeah, and helping labels. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I followed uh, Get Better Records for a long time too. Yes, and like yes. I kind of I'd like to have watch them what on they the show. were doing. Yeah, they're really cool. Mm -hmm. um, they've been doing it for like 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the I want to ask you a little bit about... Um, the artists and, and you can maybe tell me a little bit about how they kind of came into the fold, but like, what do you look for in an artist or, you know, when you're looking for someone to add to the roster? I basically kind of just looking for somebody who's making interesting music. That's true to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know oh boy. what I mean? You, oh yeah. Sorry. Do you have to go? They caught me. <laughs> Thanks for doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think when I hear the music, I pretty much just give it like three seconds to impress me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and if within the first three notes, I'm not caught on and I, I don't want to listen to the song again, then I'm like, well, it's not right. Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. And even when I'm like looking for music to DJ with, like if I hear the first like three notes of the like, be like whatever of the beginning, I'm like, it has to grab me right away. Yeah. Right. And I also like make people send me bios too. Like I used to just have people email me and then I realized people were just emailing me links and then I didn't know anything about them, but I needed to know 
who these people were, mm-hmm. like if they were nice, yeah, which would be the main thing. Yeah. Like I don't want to work with someone who's like horrible or like racist. Why well, would I do that? Sure, yeah. I mean, they don't really put that so, in the bio, but yeah, right. Yeah, but I want it, or at least, and someone with at least a little bit of like social media presence, so it's easy to tag them and like see what kind of person they are. Yeah, and and even yeah, I totally agree. And I I heard from this artist. Um, I've been listening to uh, an EP that's in the works from this new artist somewhere in Europe and um, you know like the modern you know especially the music that you work with like the modern thing is for people to use like an alias and to have like no press photos of themselves but just to have like kind of weird Japanese art or something and and so they yeah. send me the record and I listen to it I'm like this is great I, I love this let's move forward and then but it's like I just tell me everything about like can you just send me a picture of your face so we can like, I can know there's a human there. And the, you know what I mean? It's like, I felt comfortable. I yeah. felt uncomfortable asking too much information. It was like, where'd you grow up? Like, I need to know a bit about you. Yeah. Like you do, you do have to know the people mm-hmm. that you're bringing into. Cause it is, especially with small labels. Like it is a small, tight little family. Yeah. It's good to know things about people, which is why, like, even though it's like exhausting, I try to keep up with, all the artists and see what they're doing and what they're up to, even I, though like they're all in different cities and doing. Well, I was going to ask that. Are I, they? I need to know. So you're a Toronto. You're a Toronto-based label, um, and for for people who don't know, Toronto is the home of the NBA championship team. But um, yeah, Toronto's in Canada. Toronto's in Canada, and Ontario <laughs> is the province. Um, are you? Ex- you're you're not exclusively uh, local artists then. Yeah, when I first started, I wanted to be just Canadian artists. And mm. then I was like, wow, there's like not anybody here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> doing what I'm trying to get them to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, so where, so are you like worldwide or? Yeah, pretty much. Like I've worked with artists in Lavia. Um, one of our artists is based in Japan, but mm. he's British. Um, <laughs> Our current, like, our, I, my first few artists were, like, from around Ontario. So, like, Burlington, yeah. um, Ottawa, like, smaller. Or, mm-hmm. like, I guess Ottawa's not that small, but. It is kind of small. It's pretty boring. It's yeah. pretty boring, though. Very boring, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's nothing there. But, yeah, like, kind of, like, Canadian towns. And there was, like, one guy from, like, downtown Toronto. And we had, like, met up a bunch of times in person, which okay. was super helpful in the beginning. Okay. But now... Um, like Carter, one of like our biggest artists is in Philadelphia. And last year I went down to Philly with my buddy Kyle to shoot a music video for him. Wow. Good for yeah, you. And Carter let us stay at his house. It was sick. That's I'd awesome. never been to Philadelphia. Yeah. Kyle and I took this awesome road trip and Kyle's like disgusting eighties Oldsmobile that the- he, uh, did not tell me had no windshield wipers when it started pouring rain. So Uh-oh. that was a super, super fun trip. That's illegal. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. But he was like, no, it's fine. Like, I sprayed the stuff on it. The rain's just going to, oh. like, slide off. Oh. I'm like, dude, that's not right. <laughs> Did you have trouble at the border? Like- uh, no. I think on the way back, they checked our car because I had, like, boxes of white cheddar Cheez-Its in the trunk. Okay. But they didn't say anything about okay. it. <laughs> um, is that code for something? I, no, okay. I just, like, like American snacks. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. Every time that. I go to the I States, I buy a bunch yeah. Trick cereal, we don't have that here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, it's there's a lot of a lot of good stuff down there. Um, so, so <laughs> sorry, I'm now I'm thinking about snacks. Uh, no, I was just kind of curious because I know like going down to the border for like 
quasi work related purposes could have been an issue. But oh that's, yeah, that's well great. I lied. Oh okay, yeah no that's good. Well they gave us some issue. They were like, "Where are you going?" This and, is like, being both recorded. Kyle and I, are, I should like, let you know. <laughs> that's okay. I don't really miss the taste out. <laughs> but like Kyle and I were in our car. We both like look pretty bad. Um, just because we're both like heavily tattooed and we look like deadbeats and the car was from the 80s and it smelled like an ashtray. <laughs> so like rough. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're pulling into the border or whatever and we give them our passports and they're like, where are you going? We're like, oh, Philadelphia. Like, why? <laughs> oh, we're visiting our friend. They're like, well, which where do true. you live? Yeah, which was true. Mm-hmm. They were like, where do you live? And Kyle was like, well, I live in Hamilton. I'm like, I live in Toronto. And the guy was like, okay, so how do you know somebody in Philadelphia? And I was like, internet like yeah what right. yeah <laughs> like i it's 2019 he was like what you just go ran adding random people on the internet and i was like yeah like what? yeah that's true he sounds like what? one of your parents or something that's exactly what i do on the internet i add random <laughs> yeah that's what it's for <laughs> i know i was like I, that's the only way i meet anybody is yeah. through the internet but he was so weirded out about it. he's like i don't understand i'm like look just can i please go like i'm not gonna <laughs> do anything I think and then, yeah, they let us go. But he was pretty sussed out about it. He was like, how do you know somebody lives in Philadelphia? But even so, like, it could have been like, I had a friend that I met in college in Toronto who moved to Philly. Like, it doesn't have to be that weird. Like, people know people from other places on the planet. It seems like this right? may have been his first day at the job because I feel like people <laughs> traveling usually know somebody in a different city. Like, that's that should be yeah, a common like- thing. <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. Like, how do you know anybody? You can't only know the people yeah, where you're from. Right. That, yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. I mean, I guess it does. You, in like you, a really maybe small Maybe you should town, have told him he was this person was your pen pal. Uh, yeah, and my prison pen pal. You you wrote letters to him. Yeah, I know. Maybe that would have been news. Then he would have been like, "What? You write letters to strangers on the internet?" I or? mean, I. Well, he's very concerned. Uh, it's, it, it sounds like a, he sounds like a nice father. Um, so no, he was mad about it. Like he was like, <laughs> "What? You add people on the internet?" I think maybe he was gonna go home and like yell at his kid to be like, "No, do that. Don't do this. <laughs> don't get tattoos. Don't drive an '80s car. Um, yeah, don't smoke in the car." <laughs> So you went down, you filmed a music video. So, I mean, you know what? You're so right. And you're touching on a, a pretty relevant thing here. We're talking about the internet and meeting with people because I've worked with an artist who I met, I've never met, but yeah, I've just online when they lived in Seattle, then they moved to Nashville, then they moved to Carolina. And I've never met this person. We've known each other uh, for well over 10 years, probably 15 years. And wow. there's nothing weird about it. I mean, I love the guy, but there's there's nothing weird about it. I've never met him. Um, and, 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 and when somebody sends me a record, I'm, I really don't care where they're from. I mean, I just, yeah. if it's an interesting city that we haven't covered or that is underrepresented, that's a, or a country that's underrepresented, that's a great thing. But for the most part, I really don't care. Yeah. Cause it doesn't matter. Like in the age of the internet, you can release music from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can talk to people anywhere. The only challenge I guess would be like time zone. Yeah. Right, 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 right. If you're scheduling calls, which I like to do with everybody new, when they express interest in the label, I try to set up a phone call and like walk them through the the process. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, do, do you, can we talk about your genres? Like what, what do you have kind of a broad category of genre that do you yeah, stick to? Yeah, we'll just say, I say experimental electronic. It used to be mostly instrumental stuff. Like I tried to lean very heavily into that. Mm-hmm. I guess it still kind of is that, but I've definitely been exploring more like more tracks with vocals in them with some of my newer artists. You're right. 
So we are moving in a bit of a new direction, but the stuff that's going to be coming out in the summer is still pretty experimental. Um, it's almost like, do you know the, the band, the books? Uh, no. Okay. Um, definitely check them out, but it's kind of like atonal experimental, like sample stuff. Like I personally don't, didn't ever really want to release music with like that. It was heavily focused with vocals Okay. unless they were used as samples or like instruments. Right. Yeah. But this year I ended up kind of releasing more music like that and it was great. Like I loved it. So, and I'm, I'm always open to new things for the label and ways for us to grow. Like you can't be closeting yourself in like a little category forever. You know what I mean? Like you have to go where the music goes and you have to go naturally and yeah, I was grow wonder- naturally. I was wondering if you were married to that, to that genre or, you know, if, if you're kind of flexible with it. I mean, I'm definitely married to the idea of like prioritizing more experimental weird music, mm-hmm. but I'm not as married to like pure instrumentals as I was when I originally started the label. And I think honestly, like in retrospect, looking back as to like why I was so set on that idea is probably because like I don't like to sing <laughs> and I don't like to write lyrics yeah, and I don't like yeah. to do stuff with vocals. And I think because it was originally an idea to wait a self-release, I was like, well, we're focusing on that. <laughs> yeah. To, to justify it. My opinion with labels, and, and there's a varying opinions amongst the people I talk to on this podcast, but um, my opinion is I like a label to be fairly predictable when it comes to the genre, or their genre, because I, I kind of treat, and this is just my opinion, but I kind of treat a label like a restaurant. It's like, I'm going there for this flavor, for this type of food. And, you know, in, in, and I love instrumental music and I found it, it's found a huge home for me in, in my lifestyle. And, and, and it's weird to be on, to, to have a label that I normally go to. And then all of a sudden, like a vocal record pops up, it kind of just throws me for a loop a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I don't know. Like, I think this year, a lot of the stuff that's scheduled and has been coming out has been pretty like ambient. But now for the second half of the year, the stuff that's coming out is definitely more uh, glitchy Mm -hmm. and uh, different and experimental. So it's a bit of a shift, but I still think that everything is very much in line with the type of stuff that the label has been releasing before. So I don't think that anything is going to pop off as like being particularly like weird or like a quote off brand. Well, if because like when you say experimental, like that can really go any way. Yeah, right. No, that's true. And if it's curated by you until, until the label is so big that it's curated by thousands of different employees, if it's always <laughs> curated by you, if you like it and you like this, this deviation, then, then likely your fans are going to like it too. Yeah, I hope so. And even if they don't like, you know, who cares? Cause new fans will, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, um, okay. So I wanted to ask you, speaking of the vocal music, cause I think one of the vocal records you did was the golden gray record. That's a vocal record, right? Yeah. So of the, I think like six songs on the EP, two of them had vocals. Okay. And uh, this is, I want to ask you about your first, your first seven inch. Was that your first seven inch? Yeah. It was our first physical release. Oh, like first ever. physical. Oh, okay. What was that experience like? Yeah. Uh, fucking expiry. Uh, Breaking expensive. <laughs> it's okay. You can see whatever you want. I yeah, don't know. If it's expensive. Yeah. 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 It was expensive. It's it's daunting. It's intimidating. I, I, vinyl yeah, is it was tough. stressful. Yeah. Like I didn't know 
So I'd never done vinyl before. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what the hell? But luckily I worked with some really good guys over at liquor donuts and they really helped me out. Like Jay in particular, like helped me out with my millions and millions of questions. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it went great. It looks awesome. Sounds good. Um, it was expensive, but I didn't like feel the cost as much because I'd saved up for it. So it wasn't like straight out of my bank account. Right. Right. It was money that I set aside. Um, and then what else? Okay, wait. Yeah, I, it was fun. I, I want to ask you some specific questions here because I think you are at a position, and and I've been at this position, and I'm and I've you know I've only done vinyl maybe two or three times, and um, it's and I I don't do it all the time. I do it maybe once every two years. It's a it's a really tricky thing, and a lot of labels are at the same stage that we are, where they're like, I really want to do vinyl. I really want to do physical releasing, even cassettes have a, a bit of investment. Um, uh, okay, so I want to kind of camp out on this for a little bit. So you did a seven inch. Um, mm -hmm. how, what was the packaging like for this? Um, just like the folded envelope. Okay, okay, so does it go, it goes in a white paper sleeve? Is that right? No, it was like a full color envelope. Oh, okay. There's label stickers. Like everything was full color and then it had like a clear sleeve. One out now. Yeah, I want to see. I'm going to go to your Bandcamp. Do you have I'll a mail you one? Oh wow. No, I don't have Bandcamp. It's on the website. Okay. But it was it was the paper sleeve, full color. But I mean, the only color on it's like yellow. Okay. And then <laughs> and then and we, and you printed on the so you printed on the sleeve. Yeah, we with printed the track on the sleeve, and, and then and right. then we put the stickers, um, or like the label right stickers the on the actual record, and they're color and labels. Then, the color labels, okay. everything was color. So the ja so the the jacket must have been pretty expensive, right? The I don't think that like I wouldn't want to do a white label. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. I like the I like that some dance labels. Like I listen to a lot of house music and techno, and I really like that like Berlin European style of getting a just a white uh jacket yeah. and then like a color label yeah. or you know even just a white label with like the information on it i love that style i think uh -huh. it's very cool and it's and i also like stuff that's very uniform from labels like they'll do the same design but like a different color i love for that each too release. yeah i love that too i think it's really cool but i don't know if that's something i want to do so you love that but you didn't do that you didn't just do the the white paper sleeve no, I didn't. I don't even think about that, to be honest. Like, I was like, it has to look good. It's yeah. my first release. Like, I, I want it to look special. And did you um, shrink, wrap, shrink wrap it? No, I, well, I was going to, and then uh, it didn't end up coming. So the guy just knocked off a price for it because okay. I paid for it. Oh, okay. But I just got like the clear plastic sleeve. So at home, I sat down and individually packaged each one. Oh, wow. And I put then, a sticker in each one and everything. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That must have been. Yeah, it was like. It, so it did everything night. go well, like with the printing and the and the music and and the mastering everything? Yeah, There's, yeah, we we great. figured everything out. We answered. I had a lot of questions, and they all got answered. That's pretty lucky. I mean, that for your first time, and like, there's no typos, there's no glitches or anything. That's yeah, great. I know, but um. You know, hopefully the next time, like maybe I'll learn something from it as well and do something a little bit differently. Now, this was like, was this a, a couple months ago? Yeah, we released this at the end of April. Okay, so or, or end of May, I can't remember. Okay, so like, 
how has it been so far looking back? Like, do you have regrets? Is this, was this worthwhile investment? I know that nothing we do here is like, has a huge ROI, <laughs> but like, uh, how do you feel about it now? Um, I'm happy that I have it. Mm-hmm. It was a goal that I had to, um, release. Sorry. I think I stopped recording. Oh my God. Oh, okay. That's all right. I've got, I'm recording you. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. You want me to start again? Yeah, sure. Start it again. And then we can, we'll just switch okay. to my audio or something. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, so what was the question again? Sorry. Okay. So Do I have regrets. Yeah. Or regrets are like, are, are you happy with how it went? Like, I know what you're saying. Like, it feels great. It's like a trophy to, um, to have in your yeah, hand. Yeah, pretty much. It's like a trophy. It's also good marketing for the label for yeah. people to see, wow, they have a yeah. seven do, inch. I, yeah. I mean, I do have a regret. I regret doing a seven inch and not a full 12 inch record because I didn't know this, but apparently a lot of record stores just won't stock the seven inch. Oh, really? Because apparently no one buys them anymore. And if I knew that, I would have invested more money and just put out the whole album. Interesting. So you so you brought them by to some record stores and they, what, they just said, no, thank you? Yeah. Like they were like, yeah, we don't sell those like because nobody buys them. Oh, I mean, that's kind of, I kind of get that. I mean, as a, as a record collector myself, I don't really... Uh, yeah, I mean, if I if they're if they come free in a deluxe thing, or if it's you know at a show or something, but yeah, for the most part, I I I kind of get that. Wow, that's a shock. Yeah, I know. I, and I didn't I was, know that. It was like a shock to me for sure. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I was like, oh, damn. Oh, like, I wish you told me that a month ago. <laughs> right, I had no idea, <clears throat> but it's okay. Uh, you live and you learn. Well, the other I got a bunch into shops as well. Like I got a bunch into different shops. So the artist must have been stoked. Like, did the the artist have some? Yeah, I sent I sent a uh, golden gray like seventy or something. Oh, that's nice. So he has some up in like Alberta, and he has been dropping them off of his local record stores and stuff like that as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and and you know, you've touched on something really interesting with the cost. Is that. Um, I, you know, I've looked into seven inches because what you do is you go to these price calculators on the, on the pressing plant website and you, you put together a 12 inch and you're like, okay, that's going to be, you know, 2000, $3,000. And then you're like, well, now I should do, maybe I should just do a seven inch. I can't afford. And then you put together a seven inch and it's like a thousand or $1,500. And so it's like, I know what you're saying. It's like, well, maybe I should have just paid the extra 30% or whatever, and got the whole record and you know i get that yeah that's like kind of the thing but i didn't know and the price difference was was fairly significant at the time like for me and honestly it still is like i'd love to do a full album but will i have the money to put out a full album in the next like year or two like vinyl's expensive why not just do a cassette mm-hmm. right and pay like a buck a cassette yeah i I love cassettes. I love cassettes. I love I, cassettes too. And I think what we're, you know, what we're talking about, and I've, I've seen you say this before online about how like, and a lot of people kind of share this sentiment of like that physical release of just having, having this record that was made either digitally or analog or analog plus digital. And then to just finally have it out with its artwork, it feels like such an accomplishment. Yeah. Like it feels awesome to hold it. I, um, 
I definitely want to do more physical releases. Like it was a big, goal, big deal for me to do a physical release for the label. I really wanted that to happen this year. And so I am super proud of it. Mm-hmm. And now, now I kind of like want to have the bug. I got to do more. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's an expensive bug. Yeah. Tell me about it. But I think I, I yeah, I mean, tapes for me, and there's a whole, you know, conversation of tapes and, and there's a critique of tapes and I've, I've, been an apologist for tapes for quite some time but i think one of the great things is that when you are doing these like price breakdowns on websites for vinyl and it's like okay i'm gonna get 200 copies it's gonna cost me you know 2500 bucks and so like i'm basically like can't break even unless i sell all of them you know for a lot of money and then yeah and then you do the same price down breakdown for cassettes and it's like oh that's all i can do 20 of them at three dollars each yeah that's the thing too with like the pricing with the seven inch like there was no way for me to price it at a competitive cost for the like uh, to and not lose money like yeah. when i buy a seven inches they're like 10 or 12 bucks max i had to sell mine for 15 oh okay which i think is also something that was hindering me i don't know maybe i'll lower the price like yeah no i know what you mean and I like I I don't even care about making money. I just want like the money back. So I agree. I can buy I, yep. more physicals. My uh, my latest record I I did on cassette and I did twenty five copies and I just sold out this week and I sold them for I think maybe seven or no but like eight dollars and so like basically I broke even because I only did twenty five copies. The cost per was quite high. I'm probably, if I sold it in US dollars, I probably ended up making a, a tiny profit, but I didn't care. It was like almost just like a promotion for the album. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't, and it was just, I wanted to have one in my collection. So I, and that's the other thing too, is like when you price it in such a way, you have to sell all of them. You can't give any to your friends <laughs> or keep any for yourself because, or otherwise there's no way of you breaking even. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had set aside some budget for like promo copies, um, because like that's just part of it, like mailing them to blogs and radio stations and stuff like that. But yeah, it is something to think about. Like, def- like I have a couple stuff coming out later in the year, like September, October, that is going to be really small cassette runs, and I have to like think about how I'm going to do it because obviously I want one, the mm-hmm. artist wants one, but beyond that, they're not going to get any promo copies because if I'm making twenty five or fifty, like. Each one is precious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because twenty five or fifty, they're like probably six or seven dollars each. Yeah, I have to make like I can price them as like no profit, but I still need the money back. Yeah, absolutely. for manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. But I try to make a little bit of profit because I do split that with the artists. Yeah. Like after I get my manufacturing cost back, like whatever extra, because I because I keep track of my bookkeeping. Like I want to be able to give some of the profit to Golden Gray. Right. Because it's his music. It's his artist. Yeah, it's his absolutely. Art. Absolutely. Well, and hopefully, I mean, I, you know, it depends on how they play live, but I, I feel like seven inches still can be a way for somebody for $10 to take something home and show their support to an artist at a live show. Yeah. And that's another good thing about Golden Gray. Like when I, I recently did a blog post on Biblioteca Records, like website that I interviewed a couple of like other labels asking for tips on how to run a label. And Mm -hmm. The people from Versus Records told me that when you're releasing physical, you should do it with artists who tour. Right. Because they are they will take it to the shows, they will sell it at the shows. Like that's where merch moves, mm-hmm. which is true. 
And I didn't think about that, but I think, yes, it is good that our first physical release was with Golden Ray because I know that he plays shows in um, Alberta. Right. Well, so and, it is good. And, and it's so and, true. Uh, I, I, yeah, sorry, I have ahead. two. No, I have two. I was just going to say to that point about touring, like I have, there's two artists that have been on our label who will have sold a couple hundred, like, and this is in the last like three or four years, will ask for me to make like a couple hundred CDs of their records and their singer songwriters um, because like people still buy it at shows and their family buys it. And so like, it's just surprising. Even like college age people will still like show support and buy a $10 CD. Yeah. You, you'd be surprised. Like it's, I, I always find it's the people that are like deep in the scene that are willing to support. Like I will sometimes buy tickets to parties that I can't go to just oh, to yeah. like support yeah. the people putting sure. them on because I know how hard it is. Good for you. Speaking of how hard it is, like aside from cash and finances, like what are some other struggles you've experienced? Um, it's like getting people to care. Right. Like you mean, are we talking press or are we talking music fans? Like both, I guess. I yeah. think that's... No, I hear you. That's something that I kind of... But I feel like that's what every creative person struggles with, like getting people to listen and then mm. like actually give a shit. Yeah. Press too. Like I'm not the best at PR. I do my best, but um, I can't afford a PR agency. So again, like it's all me. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do everything by myself. Like I, I, I do the whole label alone. I would love to be able to have another person helping me out. I can't pay them. Yeah. And I don't want to ask somebody to do that for free. Like I can't pay me. I do the label full time. Like I don't have a job. Wow the label and my live performances and DJing are the only way I make money. Wow. And like, okay. And then I'll work at like the club a couple nights a week. But sure. like, again, I don't make money off the label. I lose money. Oh on yeah. The label. Oh yeah. You're preaching the choir. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. But like, I have to do it cause it's the only thing I want to do. And it's like, <laughs> and I'm good at it and it makes me happy. Yeah. So yeah, I'll take, I'll take a bunch of random corporate gigs for DJing, not post them on Instagram and take the money to invest it in my project. Yes. Of course I will. Yes. Like it's the sacrifices you have to make when you really want to make it your living. And I feel so much better now not working nine to five anymore. Cause I feel like since I stopped working nine to five in the last like two months, I've in the last two months, I've made more progress in the label than I have in the last like two years. Yeah. Since I started it because I'm able to devote so much more time to it. And so much more, uh, like psychologically as well. Like there's just yeah, more. like I can, yeah, I'm like much more invested on it on a deeper level. Like when before, like I cared, but I didn't have the physical energy to care as much as I do now. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I, I this I'm in the same position. I mean, I, I've I've been in the same position, and I worked a nine to five a few years back, and and there was just, I mean, you would, there's so many small like things like you get sick more often because you're working hard and you're amongst a bunch of, you know, snotty people. And, and there's just all these things that just kind of keep getting in the way of the label and to be able to sit back and kind of clear your mind and, and, and focus mentally and, and physically. Yeah. I just and, like do the work. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was working nine to five and then Fridays and Saturdays, I was working at the club till five in the morning or mm. I'd like have shows. Like it sucked. I was super tired and super mad all the time. And then even on my days off or like in the evenings when I'd come <laughs> home from work, I didn't want to work on the label. I didn't want to work on music stuff because I'd be so burnt out from, you know, staring at the bad screen at work all day. Yeah. What, what, what kind of things like, you know, we're talking about these struggles and, and um, 
the finances are are a problem for sure and and investing in physical stuff and then getting people to listen to when, when it comes to the blogs and when it comes to just the general public what are the things that motivate you like what happens in a given week that you know puts gas in your tank i just love doing it i like organizing things i like i like making people feel like they have support behind them and their music because I know what it feels like to not have that. Mm. But I also know what it feels like when someone does believe in you. Mm. Like I want to be that person. I like showing people. And I, on top of that, I also really like showing people new music. Like I want someone to be like, to listen to music that comes off the label and be like, wow, that's awesome. That makes me feel good. And then I can like text the artist and be like, somebody just told me that they love your album or like your song. It just makes me feel good to help other people get their music out there in front of even a slightly bigger audience. And like, I like music. I don't know. I like it. And it's a thing too. Like I like organizing things. I like spreadsheets and I like <laughs> yeah, emails. I'm the same. I know what you mean. So, there, we so can the admin stuff is fun <laughs> for me too. <laughs> we could talk and I want to go back to something you said, but we can talk about the whole like philosophy and the whole like, uh, inspiration of, and passion of music and art. But at the end of the day, I know what you mean. Like when I have to open up Google spreadsheets or whatever, like I don't mind, like it's fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, like it sucks because it's time consuming, but it's fun. I like looking at the analytics. I like data. I like stats. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's a. I, I, I thinking about kind of just as you're talking, it kind of just dawned on me and it's not, this is not, necessarily true for everyone but talking to you like it's interesting running a label for you and 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 i would say hopefully for other people that it it comes out of this place of generosity and it's i think it's a really cool thing and i and i hope for you that it and and for everyone that it um that you're rewarded for that because it's you're talking about not just helping the general public find good music because that's a great thing but also these artists who have no one who don't necessarily even have the support of their friends or their family, but now to have some possibly a stranger believe in them and, and literally invest in them. I think that's such a great thing. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, it's back to what I said in the beginning. Like I kind of try to vet the people that come in and label and I, and I'm very selective about who I let join because I want someone that can be part of the family. Mm. And if you can't hang, then like, <laughs> You can't hang. If you're not nice, I don't care how good your music is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. If you're if if you can't crash at their house in Philadelphia, then forget about it. Right? Like I feel like everybody that is like is on the label, if they came through Toronto and need a place to stay, they could stay with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I'm not getting that like vibe from somebody, then like I don't care if your music slaps. Like you can be someone else's problem or sure. someone else's sure. success. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I would say that about ninety. 90- Two percent of the people on my label too. You can come stay at my house. There's a couple yeah, guys. Yeah, the other eight percent. Fuck forget you guys. It, forget it. Take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's like an indie thing too. Anyway, right? <laughs> hey, listen. Congrats on the label. I think it's so cool. I'll be following you forever. Thank you for doing this. this I'll is- be following you forever. Thank you so much because I like the podcast. And I was like, when are they going to ask me or should I email them and ask them myself? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you should. Well, thanks so much for doing this. It's been a ton of fun. And thank you everyone for listening. Remember, um, for for some help in, in navigating this world of running an indie label or being a DIY artist, I want you to check out this free guide that we've got. Go to otherrecordlabels.com 
and download it. It's, 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 um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. You know, speaking of uh, what one thing I mentioned to Sophie at the end of the episode was um, how she was talking about emailing me and she did email me to get on this podcast and, and it was I'm so glad she did. And that's been happening a lot. I've been getting some emails from people from big and small labels who want to be on the show and also some people who are sending me recommendations of labels. Um, that's all been great. I've been following up with that as fast as I can. We have episodes planned and recorded um, deep into the future. So um, you can feel free to email me anything, suggestions or questions or whatever you have at podcast at otherrecordlabels.com and leave a review on iTunes. There's some uh, spooky algorithm stuff that's really helpful and tell people about this show. That would really help as well. Thanks for listening. <laughs>